1: Welcome to Primal Body, Primal Mind. Your host, Nora Gadgoudis, is here to take you on a fun-filled and informational journey through the mind and your body with a focus on neurofeedback and healthy nutrition and what it can do for you, your family, and friends. Now here's your host, Nora Gadgoudis.
2: Well, good Wednesday morning, everyone, or early afternoon to you out there, depending upon where you are. (laughs) Uh, Welcome to Primal Body, Primal Mind Radio, and I'm your host, Nora Gadgoudis. And I'm broadcasting to you from what today is forecasted anyway to be sunny Portland, Oregon in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. Well, today, everybody, we are revisiting a topic that we recently explored on this show. It's a topic I realize that really needed revisiting as we only managed really to scratch the surface of the tip of that iceberg last time. And what we're talking about today is the subject of gluten sensitivity and living the gluten-free lifestyle, something more and more people are doing every day today and more and more people are hearing about. It's a subject that affects many more of you, though, than a lot of you may realize, and I can't even begin to tell you how important this subject is. Now, you may think you don't have a problem with gluten, or maybe you've had some sort of test for gluten sensitivity that came out negative and you think you're okay, Well, I'm here to tell you that that may not be true, and the tests may even be wrong. And you need to understand how insidious, pervasive, and serious this problem really is. I promise you that you or someone you know and love is being impacted by gluten sensitivity. This is an hour that could very well either, either change or even save your life. Well, joining us again on this show is naturopathic physician extraordinaire, Dr. Daniel Chong. Now, Daniel understands firsthand the impact of gluten on his patients, and he also understands what it means to actually live a gluten-free lifestyle, not just with himself, but his whole family, including two young kids. Well, with Daniel's help, we're gonna be wading through this whole involved topic this hour and helping you see ways of recognizing problems with gluten and showing you how you can take important steps toward living a healthier and quite possibly longer gluten-free life yourself. Now, for those of you who aren't already familiar with who Dr. Daniel Chong is, Dr. Chong is a licensed naturopathic physician in private practice here in Portland, Oregon. Yes, we're very lucky to have him. And he treats people of all ages with a whole variety uh, of ailments, Now, Daniel's passion is to combine what he refers to as treating patients, quote, the old-fashioned way, unquote, with cutting-edge advancements in functional diagnosis, nutritional, and herbal medicine. And for the past few years, Dr. Chong has been researching and utilizing primal eating as a primary component in his patients' treatment plans, and he finds it to be one of the most powerful tools available to help his patients heal regardless of their condition. I am once again entirely honored and privileged to welcome Daniel back to the show. Welcome, Daniel.
3: Thank you very much, Nora. It's good to good to be back.
2: Yeah, it is so great having you. And I I really wanted to revisit this topic with you because it's such a timely one in so many respects. I mean in some ways people have never been more aware of the issue of gluten sensitivity. As evidenced by, you know, this increasing number of products on the market and everybody's trying to capitalize on it. I mean, even restaurants are offering gluten-free menus these days. But at the same time, there is so much lack of understanding of this topic and a real lack of awareness of just how pervasive it is, just how important it is, and just how profoundly and insidiously Gluten can impact every single facet of your health. I mean, from your hair follicles down to your toenails, without you even knowing it. It's it's kind of amazing.
3: Yes. So I, I would I would definitely agree. It's, it 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 fascinates me to no end, and I I maintain, and I probably will maintain this opinion till the day I leave this planet. And that is uh, that I think everybody has a, a, a varying degree of gluten sensitivity. Some yes. people certainly worse than others, but I don't think it's a health food for anybody so to
2: speak. I I so totally agree with you and I, I think you and I are a little ahead of the curve on this subject in that we both recognize that potential universal uh you know universality of of, of the impact of this issue yeah. out there but you know as well as some of the difficulties I think in diagnosing it accurately but um, so tell us Danny what is gluten anyway and why should we care? Well, to kind um, of introduce this subject to people for whom it may be a little newer.
3: Sure. Uh, you know, gluten is a is a protein that's found in in a number of different um, grains. Um, the most common and the most prevalent um, amount being found in in wheat products. Um, and it, it's not it's not necessarily something new to us. People, a lot of people say, well, you know, people have been eating grains for hundreds of, if not thousands of years. Why is this all of a sudden such a big deal? Um, And that's a very complex question to answer, actually, and and I'm sure we'll get into the the details of that in this show. But but it it is basically one of the main proteins found in um, certain grains, especially wheat, but also oats, um, barley, rye, um, selp. Yeah, um, different. I may be missing one or two, but those are the main ones. Most people are mostly familiar with uh, wheat and, and oats. And, and it is definitely prevalent um, in both of those. So, yeah, to an extent.
2: Yeah, no. Nowadays, they're trying to. Uh, they, they've come out with some gluten-free uh, oats and things like yeah. that. But
3: yeah, my understanding is that it it's not necessarily a component of oats. but right. The vast majority of oats that are processed and prepared in this country are are prepared in in uh, facilities that also prepare and process wheat products. So it's pretty hard unless you're. Um, paying attention from step one all the way to the end of the to the packaging of the product, that there's no no contact with wheat, you can't really call it gluten free. Right,
2: right, right. And you know, it, it's it's as you say, it's one of those things that that is in you know all of these grains, but but you know you can think you're eating a grain free diet, of course and uh And still be getting a lot of gluten because it's in so many uh processed foods without our necessarily being aware of it being there
3: that is that is definitely true i mean it, it, probably the if somebody's really concerned and and wanting to fully avoid gluten as much as possible, there are some you know all you really have to do is uh google hidden gluten sources and you can come up with a pretty good list usually of um, some common uh, processed food ingredients that that c- can be sources of, of gluten, um, yeah. and and honestly, it does not have to take much. I mean, I I literally have a patient who is very sensitive to gluten, and one day had a sandwich because she was unable to find anything else and was starving, and basically just took the bread off, ate the middle, and was still sick for two days afterwards. So wow it doesn't it doesn't really um have to be a, even a bite full of of gluten to to affect you if you're sensitive enough to it so yeah. i if somebody's concerned or knows they have uh, sensitivities they should really be investigating all the uh all the potential sources of it
2: yeah it's one thing that I run into a lot with clients when you know that are new newer clients and when I broach this particular topic and and I'll, I'll mention the whole issue of, of gluten, and, and they'll say, oh, yeah, yeah, I know about that. And, and uh, you know, we're, we're mostly gluten-free at home. <laughs> uh, you know, you hear that one a lot. Uh, people exactly. think that just because they're sort of cutting back or they really, you know, they don't eat that much bread or, you know, they you know just have, you know, a little bit once a week or whatever, that they're somehow, um, you know, avoiding the issue. And yeah. that's one of the, I mean, you know, we could probably come up with a whole list of, of misconceptions. That might be the first and foremost on the list is that mostly gluten-free is sort of like being a little bit pregnant, <laughs> you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's the like neither are you aren't.
3: Yeah, the worst one that I hear is like, well, you know, I don't eat very much of it, but my my husband and kids still do. But so we're mostly gluten-free, so to speak, in our family. And yeah. I'm just, uh, you know, that 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 bothers me a lot, but... That's definitely true.
2: Yeah, and, and uh, you know, and it's, it's something that we probably, you know, want to kind of impress upon people why, why that, why it's such a big deal if you, you know, it's sort of like, well, you know, I, I've been totally gluten free except last week I accidentally had a couple bites of a piece of bread or something. I actually yeah. had somebody say that, uh, to me recently. And, um, and you know they think that it's you know it's not that big a deal that it's okay and and what people don't realize is that these these inflammatory responses that people have in response to gluten to varying degrees depending on the severity of their sensitivity i mean these responses can literally um go on for months
3: absolutely and and i tell people that all the time they it's if somebody Either knowingly has a gluten sensitivity or we are suspecting that one, that a gluten sensitivity is contributing to their health problems. They, in order for us to truly, number one, uh, rid them of the effects of it or number two, make absolutely sure that they are sensitive to gluten, they have to, to really avoid it completely. Any, any little amount that gets back into their diet, especially within the first couple weeks of trying to avoid it, will basically continue to propagate the, the problem in their body and the response that their body is up to this point so used to mounting on a probably daily basis, you know, because up until the time that most of my patients see me, they've never heard this before. And so right. their bodies are just doing this on a daily basis. And if you can imagine something that's happening every single day and then all of a sudden it doesn't happen, it, your body's not going to necessarily just turn everything off right right at... Um, you know, that split second and then the other thing I tell people all the time is if you do if you are successful in, in completely removing it and and um, not putting it back in your diet at all and then you do do that even a small amount you're likely going to have an even stronger response to it than you ever have before right that that was actually the case with the patient I just mentioned who who took the sandwich bread off of the sandwich and ate the middle she she had never had, you know, powerful reactions like she had with that prior to that. She was just kinda of sick all the time, sort of a <laughs> thing. And, uh, and her body didn't really give her a strong message until she was uh, until she was able to eliminate it completely. And it's a it's a very common occurrence. I see that all the time. People are people are sensitive to something but it doesn't create outright just blatantly obvious symptoms, necessarily, they certainly don't feel hundred percent, but they're not having diarrhea or you know headaches severely or anything like that right when they eat this food and it's a very common thing it's kind of like their body just telling them, you know I thought you weren't going to do that to me anymore right <laughs> and getting a little bit upset about it, so to speak,
2: I call it sort of a clean windshield effect, you know it's sort of like you've gone through your life with this with this muddy windshield and you know you you, you can't see. Anything, and uh, then you manage to get it cleaned off, and now every little speck of dust that hits the windshield, y- you notice.
3: Absolutely, that's a perfect analogy. Yeah, perfect analogy. and a guy would call gluten like a big bird flying over, and you know what happens after that? Right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Only with less ceremonious consequences.
3: Exactly.
2: Yeah, um, you know, it's it's it's, it's a um, well. I want to talk a little bit more about why this is so much more prevalent an issue now because I think it probably bears talking about. It's something that a lot of people you know, feel that there's too much of a hysteria about or that we're being overly uh, touchy about the whole topic. And, in fact, it's really true that it's a bigger problem today than it has ever been. Um, When we come back, we're going to uh, return here with Dr. Daniel Chong, and we're talking today about gluten sensitivity and living the gluten-free lifestyle. I'm Nora Gaudis, and you're listening to Primal Body, Primal Mind Radio. Please stay tuned. We'll be back in just a minute.
4: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
1: NBC science consultant Dr. Mark Steinberg says every so often you encounter a gem among the dross competing for your attention. Such is the case with Primal Body, Primal Mind, written by Nora Getgoudis. Primal Body, Primal Mind is a non-fictional excursion into the realm of biology, politics, and self-care that you will never get from formal academic education. It's a nutritional treasure map leading to optimal wellness the way nature intended, a jewel. Tom Hartman, acclaimed author, scholar, and national radio host says, if you want to really know how your body and brain work, read this book. Go beyond the low-carb and paleo diet to discover the ultimate key to health, a better brain, weight loss, better mood, and a longer life. Primal Body, Primal Mind will show you how you can save more money eating incredibly well than you ever believed possible. You can order the life-changing book, Primal Body, Primal Mind, today. And sign up for Nora Gedgoudis' weekly blog update at www.primalbody-primalmind.com. Looking for a different kind of health show? One that addresses you and your health? Let the Blood Detective, finding healing solutions naturally, address your individual needs and questions. Host Dr. Michael Wald has spent over 20 years studying and helping his patients uncover the causes of health problems, solutions, and answers to keep them healthy. Now he's here to help you. Tune in to the Blood Detective, finding healing solutions naturally. Live every Monday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time and 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness this channel.
5: Want to learn more about neurofeedback? Want to find a trained clinician for yourself or for a loved one? Or maybe you are a professional looking to offer this powerful, non-invasive technique to improve results for your toughest clients. At EEG Info, we are the leading provider of neurofeedback resources, videos, and training for the next generation of neurofeedback professionals. If you want to improve symptoms of emotional and behavioral dysfunction, this non-invasive approach is the answer you've been looking for neurofeedback is successful in helping people of all ages achieve a feeling of greater health and well-being visit us at eeginfo.com today to learn more about neurofeedback or to find a local clinician who can help you or someone you love unlock the full potential of your brain today visit eeginfo.com your
4: life your health your network you're listening to voice america health and wellness
1: You're tuned in to Primal Body, Primal Mind Radio with host Nora Gedgaudis. Got a question for Nora about today's show? The phone lines are open now at 1-866-472-5792. Toll free, 1-866-472-5792. Now back to our show. Here's Nora. Well, welcome
2: back to Primal Body, Primal Mind Radio. And we're here today with naturopathic physician Dr. Daniel Chong talking about the whole issue of gluten and gluten sensitivity. and. We're trying to demystify that whole subject and help you listeners all understand more about this topic. Now, I've got to tell you, uh, Daniel, and I think I mentioned this um, a little earlier when you were, I, were on break, you know, that I've been getting a lot of emails and calls and, and comments from, from clients and other people about this show. Uh, this is a very hot topic. Um, one person even emailed me overnight, upset that they couldn't access the podcast. They didn't realize the show hadn't actually aired yet, so... <laughs> you know, it's people are hearing so much about this, but, um, you know, what I'm really hoping to do with you today is kind of help, piece by piece, sort of break down all of the myths and and uh, misconceptions about this subject, because I think that it's a very confusing subject for a lot of people. It's, it's a buzzword people are familiar with, but they're not necessarily very, uh, they don't necessarily get why it's such a big deal, or that... Or they may not even begin to comprehend how this might be very well uh, impacting them.
3: Yeah, I mean, I just thinking about the myths and things out there. I think the the biggest myth that people need to um, get more information about is, is how serious it can be. I mean, people. Some people know about celiac disease. Some people don't. And and my in my uh, experienced somebody doesn't have to be diagnosed as celiac to have incredibly negative effects on their health and so you know i think a lot of people are still in that realm where they're sort of like yeah well you know it might help a little bit but people have been eating bread all the time i've been eating bread all my life how is this going to be so uh so beneficial to me to, to do this you know very difficult thing i'm not i'm certainly the first to admit that it's it's not an easy thing to take gluten out of your out of your diet, but people don't seem to really truly be able to grasp, you know, how how potentially impactful it can be on their health on their health. And you know, right? Yeah. And with
2: that lack of understanding, you know, and then you couple that with how addictive these foods are. I mean, one of the things that that people don't realize, uh, all apart apart from gluten, gluten, and all that, is that there are exorphins in in grains that actually are these sort of morphine-like compounds that make them a little bit addictive for some people. In addition to the fact that they're very high carbohydrate content, which a lot of people are also addicted to, you know, these foods are in everything. And then on top of it, um, very often the foods that we crave the most are the ones that we're most sensitive to. In fact, that could be you know your first clue out there, <laughs> yeah, you know as yeah. to what foods yep. that are maybe causing you problems, think of the food that you think you'd least able to live without, and that may be the very food that you have a problem with because yeah. when you when we take these foods in, um, they're stress to the body, and these stresses yep. actually s- stimulate endorphin release, these feel good chemicals
3: absolutely it's and
2: paradoxical actually- but
3: yeah, it, it it seems strange but the the mechanism as far as i understand it is that you know you eat this food whatever it is that's difficult for you to digest for and and again gluten is a, is well understood to be not the easiest um digested protein out there and right. when, whenever you eat a food that's difficult to digest it's going to create some amount of irritation in the lining of your gut and and um with that irritation will eventually, if it continues for long enough, come a situation that's most commonly referred to as a, a leaky gut or leaky gut syndrome is actually a true, um, believe it or not, scientific term that's being used these days to describe this a situation where people's guts that are normally very, very picky about what they allow to be absorbed and what they don't have become less picky because... The inflammation process literally makes them leaky and makes, uh, spaces between the cells and the lining of the gut open up. Yeah, So you have that situation going on. And then you have these, these, uh, components of gluten that, that you mentioned already that act like endorphins, which, you know, become, as far as I understand it, they don't get broken down very well in people's guts. Who don't digest it very well, and then those things get absorbed into the into the bloodstream, and eventually end up um, circulating through the body and and creating right. this reaction. To the, to, so it's literally the, the the good feeling that people have when they eat gluten bread is almost like the same good feeling or feeling that you might have if you had a, a very serious injury and your body released a lot of um, these endorphins to to sort of that that the pain right its like, it's like they're eating this, this gluten that's very bad for them, so the only thing their body can do is sort of react in a in a stress response, but unfortunately they as far as I understand it that's what a lot of people get addicted to is the the release of those those substances in their body that's that that are literally in response to try and you know comfort their body so to speak from the from the insult of the gluten
2: yeah yeah, so
3: yeah. Uh, too detailed there, but
2: no, no, I think it's actually really good that people understand exactly how it becomes problematic because you have to realize, you know, um, that you know, grains are really new food to us. Um, you know, for 2.6 million years, we were hunter gatherers eating basically meat and fibrous plant materials and maybe a few nuts and seeds. And, you know, about 10,000 years ago, they, you know, at the end of the last ice age, you know, the megafauna, the large animals that we hunted sort of died out. And, you know, in a sort of a state of desperation having to figure out, you know, what to eat in a, in a time of scarcity, um, we figured out that we could cultivate these, this inferior, basically food source in a way that could keep us alive. It's a source of calories and we we cultivated grains developed agriculture and uh and uh, started incorporating this food um, into our you know uh, you know into our culture and into our diets and the problem of course is is that you know genetically it takes a really really long time for uh for our genes to catch up to major major changes Anywhere from forty thousand to a hundred thousand years, typically, um, for our genes to really catch up to a major change. Agriculture was a major, major change. But even when we even started incorporating grains, we still incorporated as many animal source foods as we could, and you know, in, into our diets. Um, and th- there are places in you know in Europe that didn't start seeing agriculture until just you know two thousand years ago.
3: Yeah, that's what I was going to point out because anybody who reads about grains and, and our and their addition in, to our diet does come across that 10,000 years ago right. number. And I think that's a long that time. Was one, <laughs> that was one population of people. The vast majority of people on Earth still didn't um, consume it for, you know...
2: Many thousands of years beyond thousand, that.
3: Yeah, a few more thousand years. And it's also interesting to talk about uh, agriculture in general and its uh, introduction into our, uh, into, you know, human human culture and and how... It's fairly well known um, in the whatever you call it, anthropological field, um, looking at human remains or, or fossils or whatever, and, and how it's it's actually literally possible to to tell, from my understanding, to tell um, the difference between bones from people who live who eat grains and bones from people who never did,
2: right. and they
3: don't. They don't tend to be quite as healthy in the in terms of the and also the teeth and different things like that basically it's it was found that there's a variety of um, chronic health problems started with agriculture and i I believe you talk about that quite a bit in your in your book yeah
2: i do yeah i, I there are probably a couple chapters worth where I go into all of this stuff <laughs> um you know. One problem uh I encounter all the time is clients who say to me, uh, Oh yeah, I, I got tested for gluten sensitivity by a blood test or a salivary test or muscle testing and you know I was told that, you know, that I tested negative so um, so it's not a problem. And even among, you know, healthcare professionals there seems to be a very poor understanding of just how easy and common it is to get a false negative when it comes to gluten sensitivity or really any, any food sensitivity testing for that matter. So, yeah. I mean, can you help our listeners understand this a little bit better?
3: Well, I, I used to use um, or I have used in the past pretty much any possible method for uh, testing and assessing uh, food allergies, food sensitivities um, that I could find. And I, I can't say that I'm uh, 100% uh, confident in any of them. And the only the only method that I've come across that I am pretty confident about is what you call an elimination and challenge diet. Unfortunately, that's the hardest one to do for people. But But basically, if somebody, let's say somebody has been, quote-unquote, mostly avoiding gluten already, and they do actually have... Um, the capacity to be quite sensitive to it. If they've already been avoiding it for a while, there are going to be changes in their antibody production and things like that that occur and lessen over time to the point that if they then get blood tested, they may not show up as having high reactions to gluten. And it's not necessarily because they are uh, not sensitive to it. It's just because they haven't um, consumed it very recently. Now, some doctors would then say, Okay, so in that that case, I usually just have my patient go home and eat gluten for a week and get tested again. Right. And um, I actually don't really like doing that because I don't like the the thought of the effects on their body.
2: Right, setting up that inflammatory response again just to get a test result.
3: Yeah.
2: I want to continue uh, talking about this testing issue because I think it's a really important one. Uh, but unfortunately, we have to go to a break right now. So everybody, please stay tuned. We'll be back in just a couple minutes here with Dr. Daniel Chong. We're talking about gluten sensitivity and living the gluten-free lifestyle. I'm Nora Gaudis, and you're listening to Primal Body, Primal Mind Radio. We'll be back in just a minute.
4: Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
1: NBC science consultant Dr. Mark Steinberg says every so often you encounter a gem among the dross competing for your attention. Such is the case with Primal Body, Primal Mind, written by Nora Gittgaudis. Primal Body, Primal Mind is a non-fictional excursion into the realm of biology, politics, and self-care that you will never get from formal academic education. It's a nutritional treasure map leading to optimal wellness the way nature intended, a jewel. Tom Hartman, acclaimed author, scholar, and national radio host, says, If you want to really know how your body and brain work, read this book. Go beyond the low-carb and paleo diet to discover the ultimate key to health, a better brain, weight loss, better mood, and a longer life. Primal Body, Primal Mind will show you how you can save more money eating incredibly well than you ever believed possible. You can order the life-changing book, Primal Body, Primal Mind, today. And sign up for Nora Edgoudis' weekly blog update at www.primalbody-primalmind.com.
5: Want to learn more about neurofeedback? Want to find a trained clinician for yourself or for a loved one? Or maybe you are a professional looking to offer this powerful, non-invasive technique to improve results for your toughest clients. At EEG Info, we are the leading provider of neurofeedback resources, videos, and training for the next generation of neurofeedback professionals. If you want to improve symptoms of emotional and behavioral dysfunction, this non-invasive approach is the answer you've been looking for. Neurofeedback is successful in helping people of all ages achieve a feeling of greater health and well-being. Visit us at eeginfo.com today to learn more about neurofeedback or to find a local clinician who can help you or someone you love. Unlock the full potential of your brain today. Visit eeginfo.com.
4: Interstate Sportsman Talk Radio Show brings two well-known outdoorsmen to the Voice America Network with hunting and fishing info news. Talking about everything from new sporting gear, places to hunt and fish, and getting more from your recreation time. Join host Brock Ray and Don Kirk Friday mornings at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 Eastern, for the Interstate Sportsman on the Voice America Channel. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
1: You're tuned in to Primal Body, Primal Mind Radio with host Nora Gedgaudis. Got a question for Nora about today's show? The phone lines are open now at 1-866-472-5792. Toll free, 1-866-472-5792. Now back to our show. Here's Nora.
2: Well, welcome back to the show. We're here today talking with Dr. Daniel Chong about living the gluten-free lifestyle. And when we went to break, we were talking about testing and I, I really want to get into this topic a little bit with you because it's, there's a lot of confusion around it and I think a lot of people out there getting false negatives and, I, and there are a lot of reasons, you mentioned one reason being you a know, person who's been away from it for a while may not actually show it. I think some people too, they've wiped out their adrenals, they're not producing enough cortisol or they're producing too much and they may not have the antibodies even to react with the antigen.
3: Yeah, you know, or the capability to mount an immune response. Yeah, which is what you're looking for on the test.
2: Yeah, what a lot of what I tell people is that, you know, if if you test negative for gluten, it doesn't necessarily mean you're not gluten sensitive, but if you test positive, you can take that to the bank.
3: Absolutely, absolutely. Right,
2: but the false negatives are are so extremely common that, um, you know, uh, that. It's it's really hard to trust that now. One method of testing that I uh, oftentimes recommend for my clients is a lab called EnteroLab. EnteroLab has a a gluten sensitivity test that I think is probably the closest to the most accurate actual lab test that you could possibly take. It's actually a stool antigen test. What's great about it is that anybody can go to EnteroLab's website which is enterolab.com e n t e r o l a b and you can order this and what i recommend is that people order the complete uh test that includes something called a genetic marker and um uh you know i had i had a client with an autistic kid who uh you know and of course you know with autism or any autoimmune disorder um, or any neurodegenerative disorder, autoimmune brain disorder, or any, anything of that nature, uh, you kind of got to assume gluten sensitivity. And, and I was trying to talk to this mom about that, and she was quite resistant because her son really loved eating pizza, and he was kind of finicky, which is another sign. Food sensitivities often crop up in people who are picky eaters. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and I said, well, you know, please just test him for this. Just go get him tested and uh... it was interesting because a couple days before the test came back mom actually had been having some health problems and had gotten diagnosed with celiac disease surprise surprise. (laughs) and when her son's results came in the actual antibody component of the test showed negative Uh but he had both pairs of genes he was positive for both pairs of genes in other words both parents (laughs) contributed yeah, uh, you know, had this propensity towards celiac disease, and she said, "Well, what does that mean?" And I said, "It means you can take it to the bank."
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's it. And I did, you know, again, once when we got cut off in the last break, that was Enterolabs was one of the labs, was the lab the only lab that I would have mentioned as um, a reliable uh, resource for testing via a lab. And and again, the only other way to do it, like we like I said, is in my opinion, is to eliminate and then challenge the body um, with it. But, again, that's not always a very easy thing to do because, you know, people are looking... Some people literally need a reason more than me telling them. They need it on, on a piece of paper. And lab is a very unique uh, test for doing... for getting that sort of information, specifically, in my opinion, because of the genetic component of it.
2: Yeah, I I do find that having... That lab test in front of you you know to having being able to handle lab tests to somebody or having them you know be able to see these numbers on paper oftentimes is the kind of motivation uh, that they need to actually um, to actually take this seriously, um, just sort of hearing that gluten's a bad thing sometimes just you know because for whatever reasons i mean let's face it it's not a convenient thing to avoid gluten in this culture; it is everywhere it is in everything. Yeah. And, uh, you really do have to be extremely mindful with everything you do. I think actually, I mean, it, it's, I, you know, lead a gluten-free life and it's become pretty easy for me. I don't really think about it anymore because it's just, you know, these, these, of course I'm eating primally, I'm not running around trying to find gluten substitutes, which is a whole other topic we can talk that about, is a, but, but,
3: that is um, a whole other topic, yeah. yeah,
2: but, but it's, but it's inconvenient for a lot of people and, and also people are addicted to this stuff. And so having that that thing on a piece of paper that says, you know what, this is a very real issue for you is sometimes the wake up call that people really need uh in order to uh in order to really take this whole subject seriously. Now, one question I want to ask you that I get asked and I um, I think it's important for people to hear, you know, what are some of the uh the symptoms you know of gluten sensitivity? Of course I, I like to jokingly say what aren't the symptoms or also, and what is the worst-case scenario with respect to gluten sensitivity? I mean, really, what's the worst thing that can happen to you if you're eating gluten all the time?
3: Well, that is a, that is a tough question, and I, I would agree with your um, assessment and more looking at it as, like, what are not the symptoms. The point being, you know, in my opinion and the way that I treat people, I treat people from this perspective of, okay, you've got such and such issue going on with your health, how are we going to best support your body and give your body the best chance to to heal itself? Because I'm not a healer. I don't have some special power that allows me to heal people. The, the only I tell people all the time: the only people that are doing healing around here is, are you. You know your body, but sometimes your body is incapable of doing so because one or more things are are in its way, so to speak. So, so in my opinion just based on the on, on the question of, like, what are the symptoms of gluten sensitivity, I would say if you feel anything other than perfect, consider gluten as a potential contributing factor.
2: And then, now, exactly.
3: Yeah, now, now at the same time, I'm certainly not going to tell somebody that gluten alone is the cause of such and such condition necessarily. It's yep. more like from this, this perspective of, okay, if we're going to try and support your bodies, we want to remove as much stress off of your body as possible. And gluten is a major stress. It's a ma- if you're stressing out your digestion, you're going to have a hard time recovering from anything that you have going on. But but if we're to go to, like, the far end of the spectrum, then certainly full-blown celiac disease might be one, you know, one person's uh, opinion as to what's the worst-case scenario from gluten. But also there's... Very strong evidence that gluten can be a major factor in um, you know things like full-blown autism or um, multiple sclerosis, hypothyroidism, any autoimmune disease. Again, I'm, I hesitate to go so far as to say gluten is the cause, but it's it's well known to be a strong contributing factor. Or another way to look at it would be whatever the condition the person has. In all likelihood, they're not going to recover if they don't remove gluten from their diet, if, they're, if they are indeed sensitive to it.
2: Yeah. You know, one one other issue I run into is with folks, you know, who, you know, you just know they have an issue with gluten. For instance, they have an autoimmune disorder, autism, et cetera, or, you know, um, and, and they tell you that they, quote, unquote, tried going gluten-free for a time, but that they, quote, you know, it didn't help. Um, so they give up and they go back to bread and pasta, etc. You know, it's enough to make you want to bang your head against the wall. But you know, I think so many problems are multi-layered, multifaceted, and they need a multimodal approach. But it's all about removing those barriers to recovery.
3: Absolutely, and I mean, I think it's the latest figure I read in terms of you know something as common, for example, as hypothyroidism. Yes. Um, and specifically the autoimmune form of that, which is known as Hashu. Hashimoto's um, hypothyroidism, my understanding is that gluten sensitivity can be involved or a direct contributor to those cases in up to about 98% of cases. Yep. In other words, 98% of people with hypothyroidism also have a gluten intolerance. Yes. And, and you can literally slow or stop the damage being done to the thyroid by eliminating gluten from the diet.
2: Yeah, one of the things um, that doesn't get uh, talked about enough, because a lot of healthcare professionals just don't even bother looking at this, um, is that literally 80% of all low-functioning thyroid cases are autoimmune, are Hashimoto's. And about 98% of Hashimoto's has some very strong association with gluten sensitivity. Exactly so it's it's a very very big deal um a lot of people yeah. have you know they're on thyroid meds, and I'll ask them I say, well are you do you know if you're autoimmune with that?" And they'll look at me like a, you know deer in the headlights with their eyes glazed over and they they have no idea what I'm talking about or no I've just I've never tested for that and you know of course, if your problem you know if you, of course we're getting off on a tangent with this or I am, but
3: <laughs> I, know, I know.
2: But, you know it's easy to I do but good. you know if if you have a you know a autoimmune thyroid, your problem isn't thyroid, it's autoimmune.
3: Exactly, and I'm not even going to go into how irritating it is to me that people get tested out there in the conventional medical system for hypothyroidism and they never have their antibodies checked to see if it's an autoimmune condition, because if it is, like you just said, it's a totally different situation. Right. Again, based on going back to the topic that we're talking about today, it's usually heavily involving gluten.
2: Yep and you know they'll they'll get be given handed all sorts of hormones to make their labs look prettier but you know they people still have every symptom of of low and or high functioning you know yeah. thyroid yeah um but you know that's just a whole other that's a whole other topic and i i'm sure we could both go off on that <laughs> but you know, one thing also not to get off on uh, too far off track but one of the things too that, that i want to touch upon is the whole issue of co sensitivities because one of the things that is really commonly found in tandem with gluten sensitivity is also casein sensitivity. In other words, the proteins found in in milk, uh, conventional oh. milk products.
3: Surprise, surprise! The other main food that came along with agriculture.
2: Yes, exactly. And another, you know, protein molecule that's exceedingly difficult for us to digest, particularly if it's been denatured by pasteurization. Um, yeah. You know, bovine, you know, or cow, uh, cow's milk can be really, really tough for us. Now, I happen to have, you know, casein sensitivity, um, but I seem to be able to do okay on things like um, you know, goat milk and sheep's milk, but that's not always true.
3: Yeah, and I actually I, I, I have a similar issue, and I seem to be okay even with with uh, raw cheese made from cow's milk, and my understanding is that the casein molecule in raw Cheese, yep. if it's aged for long enough, does get, um, I, I guess, partially broken down or something like that, where it's, it is actually a little bit easier to digest for people. And it's yeah. very, very clear with me. If I drink a glass of milk, I'm in trouble. But oh yeah, but raw cheese is no big deal.
2: Well, and I seem to be able to do heavy cream and, uh, especially if it's raw cream and uh, and uh, butter as well. But those are almost entirely fat.
3: Yeah, both well, low, very low in casein.
2: Well, when we come back, everybody, we have to run to a break right uh, again here, but we're going to pick back up where we left off here with Dr. Daniel Chong, and we're talking about gluten sensitivity and living the gluten-free lifestyle. This is Nora Gautas, and you're listening to Primal Body, Primal Mind Radio. We'll be right back.
4: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
1: NBC science consultant Dr. Mark Steinberg says every so often you encounter a gem among the dross competing for your attention. Such is the case with Primal Body, Primal Mind, written by Nora Gedgaudis. Primal Body, Primal Mind is a non-fictional excursion into the realm of biology, politics, and self-care that you will never get from formal academic education. It's a nutritional treasure map leading to optimal wellness the way nature intended, a jewel. Tom Hartman, acclaimed author, scholar, and national radio host, says, If you want to really know how your body and brain work, read this book, Go Beyond the Low-Carb and Paleo Diet to Discover the Ultimate Key to Health, a Better Brain, Weight Loss, Better Mood, and a Longer Life. Primal Body, Primal Mind will show you how you can save more money eating incredibly well than you ever believed possible. You can order the life-changing book, Primal Body, Primal Mind, today. And sign up for Nora Gedgoudis' weekly blog update at www.primalbody-primalmind.com.
0: Best.
4: Is there truly a lesson in every situation? Can you learn from another person's experiences, or are lessons learned when they only happen to you? Dave Pelzer, number one national and number one international best-selling author, challenges listeners to stand tall, to be accountable, no matter what the setbacks, and to recommit to enhancing their lives as well as assisting others around them. Listen to the Dave Pelzer Show every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Radio Network.
1: You're tuned in to Primal Body, Primal Mind Radio with host Nora Gidgoudis. Got a question for Nora about today's show? The phone lines are open now at 1-866-472-5792. Toll free, 1-866-472-5792. Now back to our show. Here's Nora.
3: Back to the show. We're, we're,
2: we're talking today about the gluten-free lifestyle, and naturopathic physician Dr. Daniel Chong has been talking with us about this topic from the perspective of someone who deals medically with this issue every single day, sees the consequences of it, and also lives a gluten-free life, not only himself, but with his entire family, and including two young kids that are so cute they almost don't even look real, by the way. I ran into Daniel at a store the other day, and he had his kids with him, and oh my gosh, uh, just the healthiest-looking kids and precocious as all get-out. and but that's you know, really, nice that gluten-free way. life with two young kids—it's a—it's a challenge, isn't it?
3: Yeah. Well, that's a very nice way of putting for putting putting it. They they certainly are cute. I like to say that that's why they they're still around. But yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I will ask them
2: where they got it.
3: Yeah. Well, not me, but it is a it is a challenge. But they're you know, I still am fond of remembering uh, my my young my older child who's now six and a half, um, at about the age of three, um, walking up to a woman in the grocery store who had some samples of something out and asking her specifically before he took any, is that gluten free? You know, and so he's it's pretty uh they're pretty uh inundated with it and they have been since the start, but they still aren't always very happy about it. So it is a challenge. But um I would say probably the the the, the the most effective thing to do is to make the whole family gluten free. Because it's really unfair to a little child or a husband or a wife or whoever in the household to, to, uh, have some people, some people not, not. Because, you know, who's going to argue? Most gluten free, uh, gluten containing foods are pretty yummy. So, um the easiest right. thing to do is not have it available in the first place.
2: Yeah, I try so hard to impress upon parents, especially the ones with young kids, it's like you've got them now. This is the time to set good habits. This is the time you have control, some control over what they're eating and, and how they're eating and, and how they're perceiving food. You yeah. know, it, it, as adults or as parents, you know, parents are the ones responsible for, for setting sort of the tastes and the, uh, you know, the dietary habits of their children. And if yeah. you get them early enough, this is, you know, something they can take in, into the rest of their lives that can benefit them. It's a lot tougher once they're teenagers.
3: Yeah, Absolutely. There, there was you know admittedly again to be realistic there is a fine line between you know working on that sort of a thing and trying to instill good nutritional uh, values into your kids and and also not getting them freaked out and that's I admit wholeheartedly that it's not 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 an easy thing to figure out and and I'm not always the best at at finding the uh, appropriate um, middle ground there but uh, I'm working on it and if anybody wants to Contact me for advice. I'll do the best I can, but it's not an easy thing to do.
2: How might they do that?
3: Contact me? The uh, easiest way is through my website, um, which is uh, seekhealth.net, just S-E-E-K-H-E-A-L-T-H.net. Um, there's a phone number and um, email, and they actually get me when they call the number or the or write the email. So it's yep. pretty simple.
2: And, you know... Um, I'm wondering if there are certain resources or, or websites that you uh, tend to refer uh, people to for this.
0: Um,
3: that's a good question. Also, there are a million books out there um, on gluten-free um, diets and how to how to Any eat. Any favorites? Diets. Uh, well, one thing I would about that is is you know I, I would go ahead and say for sure that I don't recommend a, a whole lot of them, and that is because of the idea that you know what I see. And a lot of people, is they, I, I tell them they shouldn't eat gluten for whatever reason. We've already gone into those. Um, and so basically they spend the next however long period of time trying to figure out how they can exactly rep- replicate the diet they've been eating yeah. but without gluten. And that's not necessarily going to be as very beneficial to them either if they're eating a lot of floury, high-carb foods. So you know a lot of the gluten free resources, and that's one thing I would caution people about, is to look out for is that a lot of these gluten free resources are basically still filling people up with junk. It's yep. just gluten free junk. So, yep. so from that perspective, the list does go down quite a bit. And and the other thing I would mention is that um, I think the most important thing of all for anybody who's trying to start eating this way is to. Before they go to the point of saying, okay, what's the list of food that can and cannot eat? They first should really try and learn a little bit more about it. And, you know, that's what obviously radio topics like these, like this one are for. But again, we have barely even touched on the, on the topic at all. And that's, you know, so my, my first recommendation to people is to read some resources of information that go more into the why rather than the what just yet. Yep. Um, they can certainly do both at the same time, but so, you know, obviously one of my favorites, and no, no shame here, is your book because it does go so much farther into this whole topic than just, like, you shouldn't eat gluten. It's There's so much more to it than that if you're trying to actually eat a healthy diet, and your book does an, an excellent, succinct job of, of describing the why. And so, you know, it's obviously not a cookbook, so it's not going to have a million recipes and right. ideas things like that, but it is so good for that oh,
2: well, idea. I'm very I'm grateful to you for, for saying that. Um, yes, you know, absolutely. you and I also have an earlier podcast that people can go back and access on this very subject. Um, yes. it, and, you know, I also know about, there's there's a website called the gfcfdiet.com uh, website. Um, yeah, that, you know, I would, I would
3: have to, I want to cut in about that one because okay. that is that is one of the sources that... It's some I like some of it, but I don't like all of it because they don't always make all the best dietary recommendations. But it is an excellent resource for learning more about how gluten impacts your diet your life, how casein impacts your life. But I do caution people a lot on remembering the basics of healthy eating and that is you know not eating a lot of chemicals and and processed
2: foods right don't just substitute one form of junk food for another <laughs>
3: exactly
2: exactly uh, one thing too I wanted to uh uh just kind of tell everybody about uh for those of you out there who are who are iphone junkies um there is an application a gluten free application that looks it seems pretty cool it is called gluten free and uh, it has several different uh aspects to the application that uh, lists bad foods good foods um recipes, special tips. There is a shopping uh, thing that will help you find some of the closest gluten-free shopping. Uh, can help you put together a gluten-free shopping list, shopping tips, even lists gluten-free restaurants in your immediate vicinity where you are and eating out tips and restaurant suggestions. And in addition to that, it gives you resources on celiac disease, community, adverse reaction experiences, resources, and other things. So it's yeah. pretty cool for a couple of bucks. You can't beat that. But again, yeah, that it's is... important to avoid the junk foods that substitute gluten-containing yeah. products.
3: And that oh, is a, that is an amazing sounding um, resource. I had never heard of that before. It, so that... it
2: looks pretty cool to me. Um, well, Daniel, you are a treasure trove of information, and I, I wish every doctor out there had your enlightened perspective on things. I might actually be able to call what happens in medicine healthcare more.
3: <laughs> Yeah, that would, be, that would be
2: a cool thing. <laughs> it would be a very cool thing. But unfortunately, you have the corner on the market. So, yeah. uh, But thank you sincerely for so richly contributing your time and expertise to this show today. I am sure you have helped many, many people who have been listening. Happy to try. Well, thank you, Daniel, for being here. And uh, for all of you out there, please stay tuned next week when we revisit the brain and the subject of peak and optimal performance We're going to be welcoming back neurofeedback and peak performance expert, Ray Tattenbaum, who gave us such an exciting introduction to this topic on a previous show. We're going to be devoting the whole hour to the subject of optimal functioning and peak performance. So whether you're a performer, an artist, an athlete, an executive, or just looking for that special edge in this now ultra-competitive world, you will not want to miss this show. So you've been listening to Primal Body, Primal Mind Radio. I'm Nora Gaudis, and remember, if it wouldn't look like food to someone wandering around 40,000 years ago with a loincloth and a spear, it's not food for you now either. Thanks so much for listening, and see you next week. I would like to thank my sponsors, the EEG Institute, offering the most trusted and respected source of information and training for neurofeedback, truly world leaders in the field. You can reach the EEG Institute at www.eeginfo.com or at 818-456-5965. I would also like to thank the Nutritional Therapy Association, the NTA, for their generous sponsorship The NTA is the best, most trustworthy and reliable source of foundational nutritional education and nutritional therapist training here in the U.S. and possibly the known universe. I just can't say enough good things about this organization. You can find the Nutritional Therapy Association at www.nutritionaltherapy.com or you can call 1-800-918-9798. That's 1-800-918-9798. Tell Marcy Nora sent you. Thanks, too, to Biotics Northwest, the source for exceptional healthcare practitioner quality supplements for every health professional. You can reach them at www.bioticsnorthwest.com or at 1-800-636-6913. Also, be sure to visit my website at www.primalbody-primalmind.com, where you can also get my book, Primal Body, Primal Mind, Empower Your Health, Your Total Health, The Way Evolution Intended and Didn't.
1: Thanks again for listening to Primal Body, Primal Mind Radio, hosted by Nora Gedgaudis. Come back for another great program next Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. And have a great week.
0: Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com.